Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I am the Bull, and this is See the Bullski, the podcast where I talk about leadership, followership, resiliency, wellness, and sometimes other topics. If you tuned in last week, I shared my thoughts on the old saying, perception is reality. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please go give it a listen, along with my other recordings if you haven't heard them yet. It looks like recently I've had some new listeners joining, and I really appreciate that. Thank you for those of you that are out there sharing and and helping get my name and the podcast out there. And thank you for joining us if you're a new listener, and if you're an older listener, thanks for sticking with me. It is really great timing to have all of these new listeners because it is also time for another QA segment. So for the new listeners, I started doing a QA segment every 12 episodes. That way, the listeners, you get a chance to know a little more about me and where I'm coming from with some of my topics. Now, even though this is the second episode of season two, this is my 12th episode since my last QA. So here we are. And some of the info that that I'm going to go over today, I've shared before, but I know that some new folks have wanted to know a couple of new folks I actually know, uh, heard through the grapevine and got connected. And, you know, I just want to make sure I include everybody as well. So, you know, people get to know a little bit about me and why anything I say has any value. So the first big question that I got recently was uh, talking about my career path. So can I share my career path? Um, I am in the Air Force. I'm active duty. I've been in for a little over 18 years. Um, I started out as a maintainer. I worked on the A-10 as an engine mechanic. After my first enlistment, I voluntarily retrained into the mental health career field. So I went from maintenance to medical. Uh, Worked in a mental health clinic for a couple of years. And while I was a maintainer, I was actually primarily on the flight line. I spent a little bit of time in back shop, but the vast majority of my time, I was a mid-shift worker uh, on the flight line. So after I did that, went into mental health, worked in the clinic for a little while, got trained up, got all my you know check boxes done. And then I volunteered to be a mental health instructor. So I went to Fort Sam Houston in Texas, and I taught the behavioral health technician program for the Air Force along with the Army and Navy. Uh, I did that for a couple of years, and then I went back to the career field, and I ended up being a mental health flight chief. Um, I spent a little bit of time as the Operational Medical Readiness Squadron Superintendent, and currently I am the readiness NCO. So right now, um, I deal with you know people that are getting ready to deploy. I try to help take care of their families while they are deployed. When folks come back from deployment, I give them education and try to hook them up with resources to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, In my current job, I also do a lot of resiliency training. Um, I am a master resiliency trainer, so I do classes and briefs and things like that. And then I just do a smattering of mentorship and professional development stuff here or there. Uh, Second question, do I prefer leading or following? So even though I'm a master sergeant now, um, technically, you know, I'm a leader. We're all leaders. Uh, I'm still a follower, so I I can kind of say which one do I prefer. Um, I kind of like... I like leading because I like kind of getting to set the pace and I like kind of enforcing my vision of how I want things to be because I do have ideas and I do want to see things happen. But I really like being a follower because it does remove some responsibility. So do I prefer leading or following? Um, Honestly, I would say I probably do like leading more because I am a loudmouth and I am very quote unquote passionate. I don't like that word, but I guess it is apropos. Uh, But I do prefer leading, but I'm still a follower and I do love supporting uh, my leaders that, you know, I follow. I like being a follower and trying to make their visions a reality as well. It's, It's wonderful to be a part of somebody else's vision that may see or want things that I don't see or hear or want to accomplish. Um, Not that I don't want to accomplish it, but being able to support other people's initiatives, uh, it feels good to be a part of something. It's kind of like why I'm in the military to begin with. I like being a part of something. Um, Question number three, 
what do I like the most and the least about being a supervisor? So I think when the, when I got this question, we were talking about being a direct supervisor. Um, I like being a supervisor in that I love mentoring. I mean, that's part of the reason I created this podcast is I love mentoring and I love trying to help people become their best selves. Um, I, I like trying to help move people in the direction that they want to take their lives. I want to be a part of that journey. I want to help and see people be successful. I love that aspect, especially if I can share my experience to help somebody be more successful in their career. Um, it, it makes me feel good and it's wonderful to see. Like I've gotten to see so many young individuals who've come into their own and they're leading and changing the way that we do things. And it, it's very fulfilling and it's it's wonderful to be, be able to say, I knew these people way back when and see the amazing things that they're doing now. What do I like least about being a supervisor? Uh, honestly, it is the fear that I will fail somebody. Um, it is the fear that somebody will look up to me or that will maybe admire me. I don't, I don't know. Like they look up to me, they, they have high hopes for me or they respect me. And I have this prolonging fear that I'm going to let them down or I'm not going to live up to their expectations. Um, and that is a big motivating factor for me to try and be a good person slash good and senior NCO, good leader, whatever. Um, but the thing that I like the least is like, if I make a mistake, it can hurt somebody else's career. Um, and that's a very humbling uh, mentality. And it's something I like to keep at the forefront of my mind. Uh, question number four, is it ever okay to quote, give up on someone as a leader? So this is a really tricky one to say. I don't think there's ever a good time or a good way to give up on somebody. I don't think you ever give up on somebody. I, I have dealt with individuals who I have just tried my damnedest to help them out and be a mentor and be a, a listening ear, uh, sometimes needing to be a disciplinarian, whatever it is. Um, I can't say I've ever given up on someone. I have come to the conclusion that a member staying in the military, it is no longer beneficial for them and it's d detrimental to the service. Um, and that's not like they're not good enough. It's just military life is a really hard life. Like it, it is a lifestyle. It really is. Um, and there's certain things that we have to do. And there's certain expectations that we have, you know, we said we gave our word. We signed on the dotted line and said that we will maintain these standards. And so when you have those individuals who think the standards are stupid or foolish or they just don't want to or they just don't care, you know, there's only so much you can do to try and inspire somebody or to help them find the motivation uh, to do what we need them to do. So I don't think you ever give up on somebody because giving up is just saying, I don't care about the person. And if I was saying that that is the definition of giving up, no, there is never an acceptable time to give up on somebody. Um, there could be a point where the best course of action for the person, the best course of action for the service, whatever it is, is for that person to you know no longer be here, no longer wear the uniform. Um, and so that's a very tough conversation to say, uh, to have, to do, to hold people accountable. But you, you try your hardest. Um, and I think there's a question later on that I wrote down um, that, goes, that goes back to this. Question number five, what are the three most important leadership traits to me? So again, this is opinion. Uh, what are my three most important leadership traits? I would think, I, I guess to me, humility, passion, and presence. So humility is that remembering that even though you're the person with the rank, you're the person with the authority, you're the, you're the person in charge, you're still a human. You are still capable of making mistakes. You are not going to know everything. You are not going to see everything. And even though you're the person in charge, you're a leader, I am a big fan of servant leadership. I hold the higher rank that I hold and the position that I hold to take care of the people under me, 
those people are placed under my charge. And so that's a very, again, humbling experience because if I make a mistake, it impacts somebody else's career. It can impact somebody else's family. And so having that humility and respect would go along with that, that humble side. Um, but yeah, humility is a huge one. Passion. Um, I think passion can overcome a lot of things. So like leaders, you're not always going to have all of the answers. You're not always going to know everything. And sometimes you're put in charge of people where you don't do what they do, but you're still responsible for them. And you don't have to know how to do everything. And that's a common misconception that some leaders have is that you have to know everything. And I don't think you do. I do think you need to have passion because under the auspice of passion, you know, you can have drive, you can have competence, you can have vision, you have to care. You have to appreciate and respect the authority that you hold and you have to pour your soul into it. So it's kind of like you have people who put on the rank and they think that that gives them power. And I disagree with that. I think the person underneath the uniform or the person underneath the uh, leadership position, it's the person that empowers that position, not the position that empowers the person. So passion is a, is a tricky word for me, but it is a word that I think leaders need to have is you need to be passionate. You need to care. And it should reflect in what you say and it should be representative uh, in what you do. Uh, presence, this is a really easy one. Presence is just being there for your people beyond when you expect something from them. So like some sometimes leaders don't ever come around or they're never around or never make themselves known unless they need something. And I think that's a bad mindset for leaders to have. And sometimes you'll hear leaders or people in positions of authority go, you know, well, we don't want to distract you or we don't want to detract from the work. And it's like, no, you, you need to come around and you need to see your people, not micromanage them, but you need to form a respectful relationship with them so that you know them, what they're dealing with, what they have going on, what's their personality type. And they need to know you as well. That way they can meet your expectations because it is a relationship. The followership leadership relationship is a relationship. And so the leader has to be present. So if you're the type of leader where if you're on leave, your people don't even know, that makes me wonder how impactful and how effective you are as a leader. Because if your people are able to function without you around, why are you there? It's important that leaders do make their presence known. That way, when people need help, they know who to go to and they're more comfortable coming to you. So I think that's a really, really important trait. Number, what is this? Number six is what are the three worst leadership traits? So <laughs> this one's a little bit more fun. Uh, again, my opinion. I think the three worst leadership traits are arrogance, selfishness, and passive aggressiveness. So arrogance is like the exact opposite of humility. So that makes sense why I think that humility is the most important and arrogance is the uh, worst is, you know, that, that belief that once you put on the rank, you can do no wrong. You're untouchable. You know, everything who is anybody to question you. You haven't been in as long as me. Who are you to open your mouth? And to me, that's a logical fallacy. Like I, I've been in longer than some young folks, you know, I've been in 18 years, but I don't know everything. And if a young person brings up an issue, a question or a concern, and I go, why are you asking that? Or who are you to think that you've only been in four years? I didn't do anything to challenge the argument. I had challenged the, the, the character of the person. And that's a logical fallacy. So that, that arrogance is very damaging uh, because people, you know, some leaders act confident, but they take it so far that they bleed into the realm of arrogance. And nobody wants to work with or talk to somebody that's arrogant. There's just no interest there. So very damaging to the relationship and overall productivity. 
Selfishness, you know, I talked about this earlier. Um, I'm a big fan of servant leadership. So selfishness is the exact opposite of that. If everything you're doing as a leader is only to benefit you or to make you look good, then you're not a leader. You're just a person in a position of authority. Um, taking care of your people is the most important thing for a leader to do, in my opinion. And the reason for that is, is you know, military or not, job is about getting the job done, right? Work is about getting the job done. If you want to get the job done better, though, you've got to take care of your people because the better you take care of your people, the better things will get done. But if you don't care about that and you only care about looking good or how things are going to be reflected on you, then you can push your people to breaking points. Um, you can ruin their wellness. You can ruin their health. You can ruin their morale. It can do a lot of damage just being self-serving. So kind of goes along the lines of that uh, humility. And the last one, oh, I've saved this as the last worst leadership trait. Passive aggressiveness. Uh, some people don't see it as that big of a deal. I have so much, if you're a passive aggressive leader, I lose almost all respect for you because you cannot be a leader if you're passive aggressive. You, If you do not have the confidence, the competence, the, the self-awareness and the respect for the people around you to address issues, then you're in the way. Because sometimes the only person that can really change something in an organization or on a team is the person with the most rank and authority. So if you've got somebody at the top with all of the power and they're not doing anything with it, they're just in the way. Like I can't stand passive aggressiveness. I'm not saying you have to be rude. I'm not saying you have to be mean, but be assertive. You have to be engaged. You have to be willing to address issues. You have to be willing to hold people accountable. And they may have been good people, but some of the worst leaders I've ever met were extremely passive aggressive and they did it to preserve their own sense of self-righteousness and really what happened was their refusal to engage in the situation meant that the rest of the team suffered and the leader didn't have to deal with it so it wasn't that they were trying to be nice it's that they refused to engage in any kind of uncomfortable conversation un uncomfortable interaction because it was they cared more about how it made them feel than by doing right by their people like i can't stand uh, passive aggressive leaders okay uh, number seven, uh, this one circles back to uh, me going over my career path. So what position has been my favorite in my career and why? Uh, this came from a young airman that I was talking to uh, about uh, his own career path and what are things he's looking forward to do. Uh, so my favorite time in my career, my favorite job was as an instructor. I loved being an instructor. I loved working with young technicians. You know, of all the branches, I, I really opened my eyes about the Army and Navy culture and I really loved seeing these brand new individuals out of basic and whatnot and taking them from that point in their career and then they graduate and you know they're trained up technicians that are going to go out and help people. Like I love being an instructor. I got to devote my entire eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour, 12 hour days to developing future technicians and I still remember most of my students' names and I have pictures of all my classes and it's, it's just a really fond memory. I loved seeing these young service members struggle and fight and put their all into the training and watch them grow and de to develop into these amazing young professionals. I really, it was very fulfilling. I love being an instructor. Question number eight, what is my least favorite position and why? Superintendent. Squadron superintendent was probably my least favorite. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I had a lot of personal things going on during that time frame, so it was really hard for me to be the superintendent 
that my squadron needed me to be because I did have a lot of personal stressors going on at that time frame. I loved the aspect of I got to interact with so many different flights and such a larger scale and I got to be an advocate and I got to try and take care of my people. Uh, but it was my least favorite because I was at such a level, it was harder for me to be as in the weeds. And in order to be effective for me, I need to be in the weeds. Like some people just, they mesh better in different kind of leadership positions. Me, I like being on the front lines with my youngest ranking airmen. I want to be in the trenches with them taking grenades to the face. Like I want to be dealing with the day-to-day -day stressors at the ground level. Um, and I didn't like how, as a superintendent, even though I went around constantly to cultivate a good relationship with my squadron, a lot of times I felt like because I wasn't operating at that level, because I, I was expected to operate at a higher level, because I wasn't routinely as a norm operating on that ground level, I was blind to a lot of things. And while people did talk to me and share information with me, I just didn't like that I wasn't there. Um, it was kind of a daddy bear kind of thing. Like I want to be with my people taking care of stuff. I don't want to... I don't want to sit in the meetings. I'll just be honest. I, I, the meetings are important and I appreciate what leaderships do. And those meetings, those meetings do really matter. They just, they annoy me. They, they, I just, I can't stand it. We're just sitting around and talking. I'm a grunt. I want to be at the ground level. I want to just, you know, be shoveling with my people. That's just me. It's not right, wrong, or otherwise. It's just, it wasn't my favorite because I was removed from my people. I didn't, I loved it for some aspects, but I hated being away from my team. Uh, question number nine, have I deployed and what was it like? Yes, I have deployed. Um, I've only deployed once in 18 years. That's really weird. Uh, some people are like, what, how's that possible? I don't know. Um, I've never been disqualified or anything. I've just, I've had a couple of deployments, uh, removed away from me, like not cause I got in trouble, uh, due to manning constraints and whatnot. The, the two deployments that I had been tasked for, my, my location was not able to support it. So my leadership made the call and said not to go. Um, I wanted to go. I did not try to get out of it. I wanted to go, but I did deploy. I went to Saudi Arabia, uh, Prince Sultan Air Base in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it was an old school tent city deployment. We had no real running water. We had like water tanks. Um, we had a little bit of electricity and you know, somewhat kind of had internet kind of, uh, but we were living in tents legitimately. Um, we had trailers for porta potties. Um, we were just in the dirt in the middle of the desert, very few amenities. And I loved it. I was deployed as a mental health tech. It was me and one provider. And uh, we had a couple of army mental health specialists, but they, they were, they were kind of centralized with their, um, uh, their platoon. So it was mainly myself and my provider for 3000 joint service troops. We had army, we had Marines, we had airmen, and uh, it was during COVID. So that made the deployment interesting, but I really liked it. It was tough. The food was tough. Uh, being in Saudi from January to June, it got really hot. Like it was like 119 degrees the day that I left. And it was, I, I left, I, I arrived there right when COVID occurred. Um, I loved it. I love not having all the amenities. It really made me put to test a lot of the resiliency tactics that I'd been trained and a lot of the mental health tactics that I encourage people to use. It gave me a great real world operational ability to try those things. And I had a fine time. Um, I had personal things occur during my deployment on the home front that were difficult, but the deployment itself, 
I loved. Like, I loved being there. I loved working with the people. I loved interacting with the locals when I could and just learning about that culture. Um, but it's what you make of it. Like, I know a lot of people disliked it because there weren't many amenities there, but I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. The only regret is I wish I took more pictures and videos because the craziest, greatest lightning storms I've ever seen in my life were in Saudi Arabia. Like, the lightning storms out there were insane. All right, uh, number 10. What is my guilty pleasure? Uh, my guilty pleasure is a internet series called Critical Role. Um, I think I've talked about it before. Basically, it's um, a bunch of professional voice actors for like anime and, and video games and stuff. They're a group of friends and they stream live them playing Dungeons and Dragons. I know it sounds unbelievably nerdy. I am obsessed with voice actors. I, I love the storytelling because one of the voice actors, the Matt Mercer, he, you know, develops the story and it's, it's a story and it's a fun game and it's, it's funny and it's interesting and they go on for years. Like each campaign goes on for years and I'm a massive fan. I watch it every week. Um, it's like three to four hours every Thursday and I watch it every week. Um, and that's that, yeah, it's my guilty pleasure. And I'm, I'm an Uber nerd. I never play Dungeons and Dragons, but I watch, I watch uh, professional voice actors play. So that's what my life is like. Uh, these last two questions came from a uh, old coworker and one of my wingmen, uh, Jessica. And if you're listening, as we call her, Mama Scott, we all love her. She's amazing. She is definitely uh, somebody, even though I was her supervisor, she kept me in line uh, more times than I can count. So I appreciate you, Jessica. Congratulations on your retirement. I love you. I miss you. I hope you're doing well. I can't wait for, for, your, for your husband to come back and for me to say hi because I miss him. Uh, but the last two questions come from her and the next or the first question she had was what is the most influential moment of my career? There's a lot of ways that I could interpret this. I think the most influential moment of my career is when uh, without going into the details, I had been proposing an argument to a group of high ranking individuals and I remember the individuals in question did not like my position. They did not agree with my argument. And instead of challenging the quality of my argument, they decided to use that as justification to tarnish or attempt to tarnish my career. Uh, that was a huge wake up moment because these were individuals that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I should be looking up to, that I should be aspiring to be in some point. And I was just trying to do the right thing. I was following my integrity. I was following my values. I was being professional. And they couldn't do anything against me by the books legitimately. So they decided to take steps to screw with my career um, in a way that could have been really, really damaging. It ended up all working out. But it, it was in that moment where I had two choices. And it was shut up and play ball and you know just give up or um, stick to my principles and do what I believed was right. And in that moment where my career was on the line, I stuck to my principles and I threw the dice and it worked out in my favor. And so let that be a lesson. Stick to your guns, do what you believe is right, defend your decisions, do not be afraid of people, like don't let other people try to turn you into something nasty, don't let other people compromise you. Like stick to your values, stick to your principles. Um, and that was a really big moment for me. The other really big moment, because I couldn't think of the other one, uh, I, couldn't th I couldn't decide between the two. The other really big influential moment is the first time I had a subordinate tell me that they considered me their mentor. And that might sound silly to some people, but 
you know, I've always wanted to be a good person. I want to be a good role model. I've talked about the importance of role modeling. Um, and I remember the first time I had somebody tell me that they considered me a mentor. And that blew my mind because I remember telling my first mentor when I found my first mentor, I remember telling them that, that I considered them my mentor and I was grateful for having them in my career. And so for years later, now I have a young service member telling that to me. It just blew my mind where I'm like, really? Like, you, you know, there's other options, right? You know, there's better options. Like the, the, you don't have to just choose me. And they were like, no, I, I want to, I respect you. Like you've always been there for me. And you know, they gave me compliments and I appreciated that. But it was, it was just a really touching moment for me where it's like, somebody looks up to me, I'm doing right by somebody. I must not be doing too bad. And that was a, that was a really big moment where I was like, yay, I'm helping somebody. Uh, the second question, what is the hardest situation that I've had to face with a subordinate? So this is the question earlier when it was like, when is it okay to give up on somebody? Um, I had a young service member that when I got to the base, she was a lower ranking service member and they'd been having issues for a long time. Um, there was a lot of personality conflicts. There was a lot of drama and you know, people in the chain, they had been having a really hard time fixing the situation. And to an extent, this young lady was being toxic. Uh, she was exhibiting some very detrimental behaviors. And um, I, I basically took over and I struggled and fought for six months to mentor, take care of her, try to get her moving in the right direction because she had a lot of good capabilities. She had a lot of potential. Um, and I was thinking maybe she's turned into this this person exhibiting negative behaviors because of previous experiences. And maybe I can, maybe I can salvage this. Maybe, maybe I can get her moving in the right direction because she had so many capabilities. And this went on for six months. And after six months, I ended up having to make the call that, you know, her behavior had not adjusted. It had only gotten worse. And was it time, you know, should we keep trying or was it time to move on? And I ended up deciding that enough was enough. We tried hard enough. Like, and I did it truly from the position of, I want to salvage this. I want to keep this person here. And then having to make that call with my leadership of like, no, this, if we continue to keep this person, somebody's going to get hurt. Like we, we cannot keep doing this. And that was not a fun conversation. Like some people like, yeah, I got this person fired. I got this person kicked out. I do not feel that sense of pride. Like I believe I did the right thing by my team. I believe I did the right thing by the person. I think I did the right thing by the Air Force, but it was not a fun thing to do to move towards somebody no longer serving. Um, interestingly enough, about a year and a half later after she was separated, she ended up sending me an email saying, thank you, because she didn't realize it at the time, but you know, there were parts about serving that were not meshing and that's where a lot of it was coming from. So apparently just from what she said, um, separating her allowed her to reflect on her experiences and she realized that being in was not good for her. So it ended up working out, but that, that was the toughest situation I had to deal with. Um, but I just had to take into account, you know, is this person trying? What, what am I trying? How is this hurting the team? You know, what are the risks? What are the benefits? Um, and it's just not a, it's not a fun thing to do. So there you go. So that's all there is for this week. That's just the simple QA. Now you heard a little bit about me, some of my experiences, you get to know more about me and why I think the way I do and why I do the things I do. So if you want to know more about me, please go check out my other two QA sessions. They are on the same platform wherever you're listening to this one. 
I am trying to work on a new way to receive questions or feedback for the future. I was using Twitter, but it's horribly ineffective and uh, I don't trust the site for couple of different reasons so i'm trying to come up with a new way to do it so you know keep your questions and uh, i will see what i can do to get you uh, a platform to send that to me so i can answer them again thank you so much for listening please go check out my other sessions if you haven't already done so don't forget to click that follow button so you get all of my weekly updates and on my recordings and you know that helps support the channel along with sharing this out to other people so please share that out to those that you know i hope you all have a great week wonderful week stay dry stay warm and I will check you out next time.